last chance to subscribe at low 1985 prices. Marvel Comics are up to 75 cents, but you'll pay only 50 cents a copy if you order a 13-issue subscription now. You pay only $6.50 for issues that cost $9.75 on the newsstand. That's a huge 33% saving. Our prices have gone up, but you can still buy your favorite comics in 1986 at our low 1985 prices. If you subscribe now, and you get an extra issue. The more you order, the more you save. And if not satisfied at any time, a refund is guaranteed on all unserved copies. Fill out the coupon below and make a copy and mail it to the address below. Don't miss out on new Marvel titles. This is your last chance to pay 1985 prices for your comics. Don't miss it. The offer is good only through March 31st, 1986. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer, analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures, and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. And I got 99 problems, and a random banter ain't one of them. Random banter time, buddy. How you been? What have you been doing? Tell me a tale. Well, I'm just asking for a switch. From something from nothing to that and something else. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to figure out the magic of microphones and making it work for me. That's kind of what I'm doing. Yeah, we're banging around with a little bit of a new setup. So. New setup. A uh, couple. We have an extra mic now. We're trying one situation with two computers and two mics. And so I'm just surrounded by wave files. Yeah, and technology. And technology and... Um, and armatures I, I, for microphones. And, and I really don't know what I'm doing. And I think that's the tagline for our entire show. <laughs> it's taken me up to 26 episodes to realize, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> help, help, SOS. <laughs> also, I just want to mention that I have recently made another guest appearance on Alphabet Flight. I did that last week. I don't know when it's coming out, but they asked me to, or Jesse asked me to come on to talk about Tattletale. Yes, little Mr. Franklin Richards. Little Mr. Franklin Richards. I also mm-hmm. got to talk about uh, Tatterdemillion, which I messed up that name, and Terminus. Okay. Uh, I am familiar with Terminus in a vaguest of sense, and uh, the other one has uh, vowels and consonants in its name. I, I could I could describe that character. I couldn't tell you anything about him though. Okay. I rem- I I know I passed through that character because he wears like blue rags and he's got a red scarf around him. And he's got this big blue hat, so I knew exactly what he looks like. But that's all. Okay. I just remember the name you and that are, uh, face. You you are at least an outfit farther than I am of knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> How about you? What have you been up to? Well, I've gotten back onto the uh, Homer model uh, wagon train, so. We stripped out a couple of closets, and I did some touch-up work on those, and then painted them, and uh, you know, spent the day yesterday. No, it was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. Untaping them after the uh, the multi-stage painting process. These things had never been touched. You know, it's like a sixty-year-old house, and they had the original kind of like a little bit of like kind of primer spray paint sand thing on them. So yeah, it's it's just great. You have to paint them several times due to the fact that you go, oh, okay, I'll put some paint on this, and the walls walls and ceilings go. <laughs> and then you're like, yeah, I know I painted that, but the walls still seem to be thirsty. So <laughs> that's what I've been doing. There's, I got four more painting wall fixing stages to do, and then I'm done for a while. So, 
and then maybe more of this uh, lovely basement will clear it out. Yeah, then uh, yeah, the more that that happens, the more of our uh, space opens up. So that'll be good. So we won't be like stuck in these corners. We'll be stuck in different corners. Yeah, we'll be stuck in uh, similar but dissimilar in the sense that there will be slightly more spacious. Okay. Corners, yeah. Because I think it's going to end up the same thing where like I'm squished up on one side of a futon and you're over in a chair over there. Yeah, I think so. It probably will be. <laughs> I'm going to stop looking at wave files so you can give me a two-sentence replay of what happened last issue. Will do, my friend. Will do. A newly forged Lady Deathstrike and her squad of Reavers are on a wintry hunt for the perpetual plot hook Wolverine, who has been hurt so bad by them that he has reverted to a non-speaking animal state, which, as an aside, is much like me in the mornings. Luckily, Katie Power is on the scene to befriend Nap by Wolverine, who she helps survive long enough to regenerate back to health so that he can deal with the threat at Cold Winter's hand in the way that he does best, while Katie hides her eyes and plugs her ears in the illusion that she will not have suffered through a series of childhood traumas. Now that the revenge and adventures in babysitting, two-sentence replay is over, Rick, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our Power Pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. Now... I had many, many choices of what to find for this issue. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. Uh, as a little spoiler, the uh, issue is entitled The Great Goo Gam Treasure Hunt. So yeah, I want to see how this uh, treasure hunt or goo or gam is going to uh, blend into your beer selection. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> it ties in in the sense that you hunted for something appropriate and came up with whatever well, we got. I, I, I came up with one thing and I had it for quite a long time. And finally mm-hmm. I said, no, this really doesn't fit. Okay. Uh, and then I looked for, I, I looked for, and there is a beer out there yeah. called Three Stooges. Oh, okay. But I couldn't find it because I right. think it's out of production and I didn't want to order one off eBay. Yeah. So last night I went out and picked up like three new beers <laughs> that covered that covered desperately reaching for something that might fit. I ended up going with something that is appropriate, but you are going to be confused. I tend to be because I don't get a lot of sleep. Fair enough. I would like to introduce you to Black Camel Spider. <laughs> and this is from <laughs> What? This is from Jordan. So this brewery is Caracale. It's from Jordan. And it's 10.5% ABV. This is an imperial porter brewed from Jordanian dates and Bedouin coffee roasted with cardamom. In the early days of Caracal, there was so much work to be done that I was living in the brewery. I think this is from the owner of the brewery. Just me and two curious camel spiders. Each night before bed, I would shout a warning to my unwanted roommates. Shabbat! Arabic for camel spider. I'm not afraid. Camel ciders are the size of a grown man's palm. They run 30 miles per hour and possess two sets of fangs. First set to bite, and the second to pull you in. With time and several experimental stouts and ales to fuel my bravery, I faced down my fears and conquered obstacles to make Karakael a reality. Shabeth, this one's for you. (laughs) This is an interesting little bit of bottle artwork that it has on it, too, and it took me a while to kind of figure out what it is, because it looks like it's a... uh roadway in a desert with mountains in the background and a giant full moon and then it is this weird like uh arachnid legged just form and it took me a little bit to figure out that okay wait this is actually like a lady in a bodysuit who's got spider legs coming out of her back and then she has a weird headpiece on or something it 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 takes a while to stare at it and go what am i seeing yeah it's it is very interesting um okay i chose this yeah i don't know why 
You don't know why? You don't know why? No, you need to tell me why. Because we have a special cameo in this episode. Oh, <laughs> that's right. There's six panels of Spider-Man in There's this. There's six uh, panels of Spider-Man. And they're and not so... big panels. They're small panels of Spider-Man. He pops in long enough to go, hey, I'm in here. Of all of Cross the things. Cross-promotional, bye. Of all of the things I could have tied this book together with, I chose <laughs> Spider-Man. Spider-Man, who does a smallest of cameos. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, this literally does tie in very well, the beer that you chose uh, i just would not have noticed if you had not told me why so yeah that's uh, got that kind of oh my yeah oh my i can oh i can actually kind of taste the cardamom in there and yeah. very very datey yeah oh this is a nice thick 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 black wow you cannot see through no that. no that is a thick thick baby yeah i like how it gets the minor minorest amount of foam on it and then it just stops it's like poor and it's like i don't want to foam nope this is like a flat beer. Oh, this yeah. is really weird. That's kind of... Yeah, it has that very kind of datey, figgy smell to it. Yeah, it very much kind of has that that date yeah, kind of flavor there's, to there's it. Yeah, there's date, definite, definite spices in there. Yeah. It has the... There's a lot of flavors going on there's there. There's a lot going on with this, and I'm not I get, sure I, what it is. I get the is. roasted. I get the roasted stuff in there. It's not really strong Imperial. No. Which is nice. It's almost really overpowered by the dates. It, it's and the, I will and the, say this. And it does kind of have that uh, kind of tarty coffee, that roasted coffee thing yeah. going on with it as well. It huh, comes, that it, has interesting flavor. It comes combos. in very strong, but then it mellows yeah. very quickly. Yeah, it is definitely something you're like, oh, that is a, what is that? Yeah, it comes in, it touches the tongue, and then it just starts drifting into other things. It really does become kind of like, kind of like a prune juicy kind of flavor kind of thing on the tongue for the aftertaste. Huh. No, this is, this is quite good. Now that we have ourselves an interesting beer that has very, very little <laughs> to do with comic or reading, why don't uh, you read me those opening credits, my friend? Power Pack, issue number 21, April 1986. The Great Goo Gam Treasure Hunt. Credits. Written by Luis... Wait, no, no, it's not. It's written by writer and inker Terry Austin. Penciler, Brent Anderson. Letterer, Joe Rosen. Colorist, Glennis Oliver. Editor, Carl Potts. Editor-in-Chief, Jim Shooter. Featuring Power Pack. Alex Power, a.k.a. G, oldest power sibling, increases or decreases the gravity of objects he touches. Julie Power, a.k.a. Lightspeed, second oldest power sibling. She flies really fast. She's voiced by my wife. Jack Power, Mass Master, second youngest power sibling, is really cranky, and he has molecular density power. Katie Power, a.k.a. The Energizer adorable youngest power sibling she disintegrates matter turning it into energy and she's voiced by my daughter we've also got james power for a hot second he's the father figure who just has not realized that his kids have powers we also have a quick introduction of spider-man spider-man friendly neighborhood i'm gonna have a sip of beer now it must be Saturday morning, because Katie is sitting about a foot in front of the family TV watching the Goo Gam Gang. And on screen, trouble is occurring as Goo is running away from a flurry of arrows being shot at him. Oop, I've got a feeling somebody's kind of annoyed at me. Uh-oh, Goo, watch out! We also get a nice piece of teleexposition from the TV announcer. The creator of the Goo Gam Gang, Jesse Wilcox-Jones, will be autographing her new book today at Gacy's Department Store. Home of the Fighting Thanksgiving Parade Floats. Okay. This is backed up with Dr. Powers giving some instructions and money to Alex before he heads to the hospital to check on Mama Powers, who is doing much better now. The main instructions are to make sure that the author signs the book for Katie. 
as this is really important to her. <laughs> and without any further ado, but with a really jarring jump cut, the kids are sailing through the city, saving their transit fare money by flying the ever-affordable power-packed skies. And it's a good thing they're flying through town at that moment, as they are in time to save the day for a hilariously hapless hero who's free-falling through the sky. Spider-Man, Mr. What's-Up Danger, who was on his way up and happily swinging home to his familia from Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man issue number 112, is going through this comic book while trying to get to Web of Spider-Man number 13, all without having to do his inevitable stop in Secret Wars 2 number 12. Really? He's not invincible. He'd rather hide or elevate and then let go and fall to his death than go deal with the Beyonder? No. It isn't that he doesn't want to deal with the Beyonder. It is just that that is a terrible series, and personally, I would rather be scared of the dark than to have to be involved with it. Now, I don't want to start a riot here, but I'm just trying to find a reason why Spidey is in this book, other than the fact that it says he has a cameo on the cover. Well, the reason he's in this book is so that Power Pack can catch him. He was falling because he ran out of web fluid in his shooters, which, if memories serve me right, is a thing that happens to him fairly often. Once they provide the wall crawler with some solid footing, they exchange pleasantries. Spidey refills his web shooters, advises Katie to eat her Brussels sprouts, and also apologizes for not making it to Katie's party. Which means that the Daily Bugle somehow gave the wall crawler his mail. Which also means that at least Spider-Man knows the home address of Power Pack in Katie's name. He also knows about their mom being in the hospital. I would also guess that the Daily Bugle knows this too. No way is J. Jonah Jameson letting mail for old Webhead go through without snooping. I would love to see that scene play out in a book. Oh yeah? How, how do you think it would go? Uh, kind of like this. Parker, get me photos of Spider-Man. Also given this party invite from a five-year-old whose mom is in the hospital. Now get out of here. Those photos aren't going to take themselves. I agree. That would be great. But the kids don't seem to mind that their privacy has dissolved like really old webbing. Spider-Man then takes his leave from these kids, and this issue, after six short, cross-promotional arachnid-filled panels. Bye, Sunflower. We hardly knew you. Speaking of which, have you seen Into the Spider-Verse yet? <laughs> no, I haven't seen it yet. Baby, remember? But I do like the music. In fact, I've been listening to the album like crazy lately. Yeah, I could tell you were listening to it while you were writing the script. Too obvious? Way too obvious. Well, way too obvious is my kind of subtle. <laughs> the kids land in a deserted alley to costumes off, braving the New York winter weather for a few moments until they get into the mall. Katie is pretty excited about the chance to meet her favorite author, running ahead of her family to the prep meet and greet area. Hurry up, you slow pokes. Humph. Look, look, this is where the book lady's gonna be. Golly gee willikers, I just can't wait. Hug. They still have an hour, which allows Jack, a.k.a. Mr. Sunshine and Rainbows, more than enough time to continue to sound off about how much he hates this. Even though, as Julie points out, he used to be this excited about Cody Davis, Space Explorer series, that was written by the same author when he was Katie's age. Pooh! Baby stuff! Let's eat! In the cafeteria, the Googam excitement does not abate. Apparently, this building is doing a full-court press of advertising. The waitstaff are dressed like the characters. The menu has changed, and there are banners everywhere. This is doing nothing to brighten Jack's mood. 
After Jack finishes mocking the waitress's costume and making fun of Alex for eating a peanut goo and gam jam sandwich, Katie decides to summarize a goo gam morality story. It isn't nice to make fun of what somebody else likes, Jack. Don't you remember the first goo gam game book? How the goos and the gams wouldn't make friends because the goos wouldn't eat gam jam and the gams wouldn't eat peanut goo. Then one day, the littlest goo and the littlest gam combined the two and liked it. And the Goo Gams teamed up and never made fun of what anybody else liked ever again. So there, Jack, Mr. Smarty Pants. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Pooh! Baby stuff! Wait, is she saying babies smoke pipes? No, she's saying that you should stuff a baby in a pipe. Oh. Crick. Attention choppers, children, and kids of all ages. Gacy's is proud to announce the arrival of Jesse Wilcox Jones, the creator of the Goo Gam Gang and the writer of their fabulous adventures, including the latest of the series, The Great Goo Gam Treasure Hunt. Be the first to solve the mystery using the clues in the book, and you can find a buried treasure chest containing $100,000 in cash hidden somewhere in the U.S. It was nice of the loudspeaker to provide even more exposition to the story. There's a pretty good panel gag at the beginning when the announcement starts. We see the kids listening in one panel as a waitress starts to walk behind their table. In the next panel, she has taken two more steps and the kids are gone, leaving behind their uneaten food and a fluttering of money to pay for their bill. As the kids add to the line to await the author, they call attention to the abundance of adults. Apparently, the appealing allure of the Apple Award, awash with the avarice of amateur armchair adventurers. Yeah, the adults do not seem to know or care about the author's work, just the reward promised for this promotion. Fat stacks of cash. Boo! Eventually, the line moves on, and it is Katie's turn. I don't know if you've ever had this moment where you have met a literary hero, but he can either go one of three ways. One, you are perfectly normal, and you and your hero have a nice chat. Two, you freeze up faster than Steve Rogers in an icy ocean. Three, you realize your mouth is attached to a combustible engine that is primed with jet fuel and is currently cranked to 1,000 RPMs. Katie chose door number three. Hooray! Jesse Wilcox Jones just smiles and signs the book while the youngest power blasts her with a double-barreled balloon of questions. She then turns to Jack and asks if he likes the goos or the gams. All together now. Poo! Baby stuff! After the family egresses from the goo-gamied store, Katie shouts, I got an autograph! I got an autograph! That's an autograph, Katie. Let's see what she wrote. Inside the book, we see the standard yearbook message. Best wishes, Jesse Wilcox Jones. Oh my gosh! I forgot to tell her to write to Katie in my book. And cue the waterworks. Wah! My book's all spoiled. Good grief. Is that Jack or did Charlie Brown show up? Arg. <laughs> this little temper tantrum is causing people to look. And in an attempt to resolve the situation, the two older kids run back inside to see if they can buy something to soothe their sad sibling since the signing has ceased. So Jack is in charge. Looks like it. Okay, yeah. This can only end well. What with Jack showing such maturity throughout this issue so far. Yeah, not the best power decisions Alex and Julie make. In fact, as they're running back into the store while Katie is bawling, Jack is having an inner monologue. Just what I needed. Stuck on the sidewalk with a sobbing brat. People probably think that I socked her one. In fact, maybe that's not such a bad idea after all. No, Jack. Bad Jack! Bad Jack! You're a superhero and superheroes don't solve their problems with violence! Wait, what? That, that's almost exclusively how superheroes solve their problems. Yeah, I guess that you're right. 
Well, Jack wants to apply the superhero method to his family dilemma because he thinks slugging his sister will make her stop crying. Yeah, because that would work. Hey, you don't know unless you try it. Anyway, Jack abandons his plan when he spies a limo driving by with the Goo Gam characters on it. The author is so big that she has her own logoed limo. There are so many things wrong with this. It would be like J.K. Rowling being driven around in a limo with the Hogwarts symbol on the side of her vehicle during the height of the Pottermania in the early 2000s. She would be mobbed. Or maybe... kidnapped? Huh? Let's just keep telling the story. Jack decides to haul his hysterical sister after the luxury vehicle in the hope to get the autographed message corrected. Not a bad plan. And as they round the corner, they see the author being escorted out of the back door to her waiting car. The limo door opens up and we see her driver tied up in the back seat and a ne'er-do-well with a gun forcing her into the car. Oh, kidnapped. I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess that would be pretty obvious. Jack has seen all of this, and because he's in charge, he runs after the leaving limo. And he is urging Katie to follow. Come on, we've got to save her! Jack? What? I think I've got to go to the bathroom. For Pete's sake, Katie! And with a costume on, and a not-so-gentle chiding from Jack about how she has to learn how to be a superhero, they are after the abducted author. So Jack, seeing a kidnapping occurring, wants to get in on the action. Using his extensive kidnappee experience to good use, he clouds up and into the trunk of the Heatwood. Not Fleetwood, but Heatwood limo. Shrinks down inside and opens up the trunk lid. Katie has caught up to the vehicle, stuck at the red light, and climbs inside. The driver of this vehicle, a villain who has just kidnapped someone at gunpoint, has failed to constantly check his rearview mirrors and has missed the trunk opening and closing. Worst criminal ever. True that, but Power Pack are the best kidnap victims ever. In fact, they are so good that their kidnappers don't even know that they are there. Hmm, self-kidnapping. Power Pack really holds on to a reoccurring plot point, don't they? Just you wait. You ain't seen nothing yet. And soon we arrive at the author's home. The next panel shows two goons marshalling Jessie and her driver into her home. Once the kidnappers and kidnappees are inside, the secretive stowaway siblings step out from their screen spot. And for legal reasons, Jack reminds Katie that no one should get in a car trunk unless they have superpowers because it is dangerous. Katie responds by more or less rolling her eyes at Jack. The kids then venture around the building to find a way in. Part of this searching includes Jack directing Katie to put her book in her costume's magic pocket before they save the author. As an aside, this is a minor note in the story, but it's actually important as it is their first actual reference to the fact that they have an extra-dimensional space in their pockets that acts like a bag of holding. Okay, back to the story. Katie states that following the save of the kidnapped author, she has got to get a real autograph. That's autograph, knucklehead. The sneaky son of Dr. Powers gasses up and slides into the house, opening the window for Katie. They find themselves in a room full of Gugam toys, books, and games, and a couple of child-sized costumes, and a cat. And no bathroom. These costumes are for a live-action movie and are here to receive approval from Jesse, according to some tags that Jack reads on them. Katie has another idea, though. She thinks that these would be an excellent disguise that they could use to scare the bad men. In fact, she thinks that it might scare them enough that they might faint. Jack is disparaging of this, but then he agrees to dress up after Katie explains that the book lady might recognize them otherwise from the store signing and say who they are on TV, and then everyone would find out their secret identities. Elsewhere, we have a living room scene with the two bad men and their two victims. We also get the clearest look at these two gents. And, well, yeah, there have been a couple of clues about their looks on the cover, and one obvious piece of dialogue from earlier. Oh, you mean yuck yuck? Yeah, that would be Larry. And the other guy is Mo. We have two of the three stooges here. Slapstick, speech patterns, and silly incompetence. 
Sigh. These boneheads are shaking Jesse for the location of this goo-gam treasure. Jesse ain't playing, though. She explains that it is for the person who reads it and figures out the clues in the book. But she concedes that reading might not be these guys' strong suit. <laughs> At about that moment, a goo and a gam appear in the doorway. Don't you bad men hurt her mama! Yeah, surrender immediately or else! Larry and Moe glance at each other and start shooting. Bam, bam. Dun, dun, dun. Bam, bam. Bum, bum, bum. Bam, bam. Let the goo games hit the floor. Let, Let the, the goo games hit the floor. floor. Let the goo games hit the floor. Jack and Katie split up, yelling insults at each other. They'll probably faint, huh? You're stupid. I'm stupid? You're the one who listened to me. They also hurl some insults at the bad guys as they run away to successfully bait them into chasing them to get them away from their kidnapped victims. Jack heads upstairs, followed by Mo. Katie goes down, followed by Larry. Jack ducks into a room and keeps taunting the criminal. Can't catch me. Woo woo. You stinking goblin or whatever you are. I'll show you who I can catch. And as he kicks in the door, Moe shoots at the gam costume and a quickly clouding Jack. Bam, bam, bam. And Moe is left with a confused look and an empty costume. Also, in his confusion, he is displaying the worst possible way to handle a firearm, i.e. with finger on the trigger and barrel scratching his forehead. Downstairs, Katie is hiding under the steps in the dark. Where are you, you what's-its? Where are you, a hooses? And as the porcupine-haired criminal walks down the steps, Katie disintegrates one of them, causing Larry to fall forward, knock his chin, and drop his gun. Yuck, my gun! The costume Katie clomps on the creep's cranium as she climbs the companionway. Hey, wait till I get my hands on you, you darn grimblink! I've gotta find a bathroom! Back upstairs, the kids meet up, but Katie is only concerned about the bathroom while Jack is worried about the killers chasing them. As the stooges converge on the floor, the youngsters duck back into the Googam room. No, the goonster hit me with a stairway! My whole brain hurts! Once an skull, always an skull. They're trapped in the room now, so let's finish them off. The two terrible tropes tromp into the empty and dark room, and they do not spy the kids. As they explore the room, keeping their eyes open, Larry walks right by a doll-sized Jack hiding amongst the goo toys. And then the cat that has been following them around betrays them. Judas. Scritch! Scritch! That little furball is scratching the closet door, alerting the gun-wielding goons about the potential location on the goblins. Larry wants to give him a warning, but Moe advises his brain-breathed buddy that you do not warn, you just shoot. Bam, 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 bam. And they do, blowing a plethora of holes into the door. Boo! And scaring the fur off the cat. Hooray! They open the door to find another empty suit, which only confuses them for a second before Katie, who somehow climbed onto the closet shelf, and whose glowing body was not seen by these two geniuses, blasts a powerball into Moe's chest, sending him across the room. Wham! Or should that be a... Shucks! Moe's gone and got himself all knocked out by that gobblink! Only it doesn't look like no gobblink no more, just a little girl! He then points his gun at Katie, calls her a mutie, and justifies that if she is, it is okay to kill her. But before he pulls the trigger, Senor Jacama is introduced to Larry's head. We're not mutants, you big stupid. We're power pack. Fud. Quickly tying up the unconscious jerks, Katie fills Jack in on her hiding trick. She climbed up onto the shelf using some boxes in the closet, then disintegrated them. She also concludes that they have made a mess of Jesse Wilcock Jones's house. Jack concurs and thinks they will probably be thrown in jail. Um, kids. Have you forgotten that you both have powers? Katie can disintegrate out of the cuffs and Jack can cloud out? You guys will probably be alright. Also, you know, you could just leave before the police get there. Speaking of the hostaged homeowner, the abducted author joins the kids and asks if they are responsible for all of this mess. As Jack admits to it, Katie starts to cry because she thinks she is in trouble. 
We're going to have to talk about this later on. It is quickly apparent that Jesse Wilcox Jones is not mad. Instead, she is glad. She does not care what happened to her pad, and she doesn't want Katie to be sad. She does not think the kids are bad, but she doesn't want to ask too many questions of the lass and lad. She only wants to thank them for the trouble that they have had. How very Susian of you. I know. I'm one cool dad. Stop it. Katie instantly takes the author up on her offer by presenting her with the book she got earlier, asking the writer to write to my friend Katie in the book. I'm surprised she didn't ask her to write to my friend Katie Power, who lives at... Yeah. Jesse embellishes on her. So generic that the best wishes portion is now missing from the earlier signing, so that the message now reads, To my good friend Katie, an honorary goo, and an official gam too. She also tells Katie that in her next book, there just might be a little girl named Katie who helped the goo gam gang out of trouble and become their friends forever and ever. Pretty cool, Katie. Pretty cool. The appreciative author turns to Jack to find out what wish she can fulfill for him. Well, you could tell me one thing. How come you stopped writing Cody Davis Space Explorer to do these baby books? Well, good question. And over a montage of Cody Davis adventures, Jesse Wilcox Jones explains why that is a very important question. You see, she liked writing the Cody Davis stories, but the Gookam Gang series became more popular, and there was more demand from the fans, and thus more demand from the publishers. This did not mean that one series was better than the other, it was just that one was more popular. Just like the peanut goo and the Gam Jam. Yeah, Jesse agrees and tells Katie that she is very smart. If I'm so smart, how come I can't find one bathroom in this whole place? Wah, wah, wah. We switch over to the street outside the Powers' apartment where a worried Alex and Julie are heading back to, hopefully to find their wayward siblings. Well, the only one who is really worried is Julie, who thinks that her super-powered siblings could be cold and hungry. And on that admission, Alex actually agrees that maybe there is a reason for worry. You're right. They're just goofy little kids after all. Goofy little kids who have battled demons and fought alongside gods. But, you know, whatever. They notice a limo pull up to their building and they see Jack and Katie getting out eating ice cream. So, yeah, these two have won the kid lottery today. The limo driver also hands Jack a wrapped package from his boss. As the limo leaves and the older siblings run over, Jack reads the envelope. I wrote this a while ago but couldn't sell it. I think it's good. I hope you do too, Jesse. Opening the envelope... Jack discovers a new Cody Davis Space Explorer book. And Jack's little heart grew two sizes that day. I must read this book his siblings heard him say. And the older two looked confused, while Katie smiled amused. And we have to turn the page. Meanwhile, light years away, home of the infinity and beyond. Oh, what a day. We find ourselves in the royal chamber of Snark Emperor Badsha, who is having a really bad day. He is sick, struck with a mysterious illness that his royal foulness is linking to Maraud. He is ranting to a chancellor, who, while serving the emperor, is also part of Maraud's family. The emperor tries to summon the chameleon ambassador Yurik. The chancellor informs the angry and dying royal that the ambassador is missing. Later, the chancellor is relating all of this to Maraud. Like a good Bond villain, she explains everything to her underling. She has kidnapped Yurik to prevent him from healing the emperor. She has also sent troops to find Power Pack who will lead her to her son. And when her son returns with the pack, she will use this large device to drain their powers into her son. Insert evil laughter here. I think we're actually supposed to... Ah, never mind. Next issue, Trapped. Da-da-da-da-da-da. I am your trapped snark. <laughs> Welcome to the land of the Goo Game Adventures, where Yay. we are trapped and we talk about the Power Pack packaging. There we go, there we go, there we go. So let's talk about the Power Pack packaging. We will now talk about this lovely, lovely, lovely yeah. cover. 
And this was drawn by Brent Anderson, and the colors were by Terry Austin. So we have the person who did all of the art in the book, and the person who wrote the book, who is the colorist. Yep. And Terry Austin was also the colorist in other issues. Mm-hmm. So we've got the colorist is now doing the writing. I mean, if you want to have a good story, you go to a colorist. Hmm. We're going to be a little negative on this, aren't we? <laughs> Why would you think that? We'll get to that. So let's let's talk about this uh, cover really quickly here. I do kind of like this cover, though. First of all, unfortunately, your eyes are really drawn because it says Power Pack. Special cameo appearance by the Amazing Spider-Man with an arrow pointing off to the left. And there's a circle spy hole glass with Spider-Man swinging on a web in the yeah, through snow. The snow. Yeah. You see that first before you see anything else, which is kind of a bummer, actually. Yeah, it's I'm a like, power pack of Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm just kind of like, he's in it for six panels. It's just not. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah, he's, mm. in, he's in there for the uh, perennial hot second. Yeah, where it's yeah. basically, he's like, oh, no, I'm out of web fluid. Oh, I've been caught. How scary is that? Oh, you guys saved me. Thanks. Sorry Thanks. I couldn't make it to your Thanksgiving day. Eat Brussels sprouts, lates. And, and that is it. Yeah, that was the one of the weaker cross promotions that we've ever yeah. seen. And that includes a Cloak and Dagger in the first Dragon Man one where they basically came in and told Spider-Man, you know, it's like, don't try and stop us from doing the thing we're going to do. And he's like, okay. Okay. But, <laughs> but so what we got here, though, if we put all that aside... We have kind of a split issue because we have the door coming across at a little bit of an angle. And on one side, we see Larry and Mo. And. Yep, armed with guns. Armed with guns. And they're pointing at this door. And, uh, they're, yeah, they're, Mo's pointing at the door. He's kind of leaning down next to it. And you see Jack and Katie on the other side of the door. And they're really in deep shadows because it looks like they're in a closet. And Jack's saying, shh, to Katie. And Katie's kind of looking through the hole. Yeah, she's There's, looking freaked out. Yeah, they're both looking a little freaked out. So I mean, so I mean, what we got here is we've got something kind of right out of the issue, nearly. Yeah, more or less, because uh, the yeah, it they didn't were, quite happen like that. But it, it, it's it, but, again, I say this a lot. It's evocative of it's what evocative. happened. It's really close to what it, happened. It's very close. It's very yeah. close. Spider Man was in it for a take, and then uh, Mo and Larry were yeah. harassing a, for whatever reason, scared Katie and Jack, who could have just powerballed or jackhammered their way to safety anytime they wanted it would have been a short episode right issue I, if it was I, me. I think that i think the art on this is fabulous oh, yeah, I, I think great. it's really good so yeah. i i like that i yeah. do like that let's let's talk a little bit about terry austin as the writer mm-hmm. he's mostly an inker that's mm-hmm. most of his work is just as an inker so he's not really that much of a writer as far as power pack he did this one and issue 53 those are the only two that he wrote okay so it'll be interesting to kind of revisit him in about 30 more issues to see, you know, how's he doing now? Yeah. Cause I hate to, I hate to be negative, but I'm not a big fan of this one. Okay. And it's, and it's a little sad because I have fantastic memories of this one. Now this is, this is a first of a two parter. It is. Yes, it is. Oh, okay. There's a second one. It's another adventure that's coming up down the line. It's about. Oh, okay. So, issues. so it's not like the next immediate issue. Is no, tied no, it's into not this. the next immediate issue. It's okay. it's it's down the line about twenty or thirty issues where they revisit this author and mm. something happens. And I know I like that one. I know I do for okay. many many reasons. But I'm going to be interested to see you know, reading that if it holds up as well in my mind as as I thought this one did. I think I just remember this as being. The first introduction of mm-hmm. Jesse Wilcox Jones and the Goo Gams, kind of putting a lot of my love on the second one onto this one. Okay. I don't know if that's it or not. Yeah, I had vague memories of this, but here's the deal on this one. It's not done amazing, but it's not terrible. 
I think what you were really holding on to from the nostalgia part of it was the fact that the concept is great. It's like, hey, this kid book author, you know, this book series that they've alluded to earlier uh, in the series, just with like having the books on counters and stuff. You know, it's like tying previous things into this. And it's like, hey, you're getting to meet your author. That's really cool. But yeah, so it, it deals with all these things that have kind of been touched on. But also it's very kid friendly due to the fact that it's like a kid. And they're kind of trying to do like the home alone kind of deal going on. And, you know, they're making this neat little like kind of fun Goonies-esque adventure with kind of bumbling but threatening adversaries. And they're going around. <laughs> very and, bumbling. Yeah. And, you know, and instead of just because this would have been a uh, eight page comic where they would have gone to the mall, they would have seen somebody get kidnapped, and then Jack would have yelled, Jack Hammer! And then... Uh, Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And then some thugs would be ba- brained. And, you know, Katie be going, could even be going, she might recognize you, Jack. I mean, Mass Master. And he'd be like, I'm a cloud. <laughs> Ain't nobody gonna recognize a cloud. It's like, can you can you pull him out of the lineup? And it's just like, there's vapor I, in the I, air. I think, you know what? I'm fine with the setup. Mm-hmm. I really am actually fine with the setup. Mm-hmm. My problem is, is that there's, there's a pacing issue for one. Yeah. They go right from the first scene of the book where they're having a nice at-home-in-the-apartment scene. The next page, you flip over, they're already flying through the skies and running into Spider-Man. Yeah, it, it, and, and, and so, like, you had things like that where it's like, where you all of a sudden are jumping to something else. Yeah, they kind of jump, a smash cut to some stuff. But yeah. at the same time, they base, they establish, it's like, you're going to the mall and getting this book and having it autographed yeah. by the author. There's just Boom. some now jerky going thing. To the mall. There, yeah, there's it, just some jerky thing. So it's a plotting thing. It's where mm-hmm. It's where I don't feel that the plotting moved it through correctly. The other thing is that they don't have Katie's voice. No, they do not. No, no, they don't. I think the rest of them are okay. They're okay. Well, because Alex and Julia are barely in it. Alex and Julia are barely barely in it. Uh, Jack... He's off a little bit, but it, you can see it because he's got a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, you you can you can justify why he's right. uh, not quite the Jack that you would know. Right, but the big thing is Katie. I mean, we got Katie sitting oh, here. Yeah, yeah. Autograph spoiled. She doesn't talk like no, this at she all. doesn't. It, it, and just breaking down into bawling uh, at least tw- twice, I think. Right. Just for you know, and it's like Katie hasn't portrayed no. that yet you know she's she's kind of had meltdowns where it's like you know it's like oh we haven't know, seen I'm her tired, we i'm hungry it's cold we haven't seen is, her yeah. we haven't seen her throw a uh, breakdown like that since no. the second issue yeah yeah she's been pretty strong since right then. it just doesn't feel right yeah the characters aren't quite right it's right. very much along the lines where it was uh why are they doing this and the answer is because script yeah. You know, why did this character do this? That doesn't make sense. The script said that they do, right. which is why it happens. And, 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 and it happens in it, movies and TV shows and stuff all the time. But that's the thing, time. is that who's in charge of the script in this one? It's yeah, yeah. The author. Yeah. It's Terry. So it just, eh, yeah, I, I don't still, like it. I love the concept of what he was trying to do. Yes, I love the concept. It just didn't fully work. Right. Another Speaking of things that I like, I kind of like the concept of, but it didn't work, is you got two characters in there that are two of the three stooges. Yeah. Couple of questions for you, author. Why did you go with just two instead of all three? Uh-huh. You know, you got two of them there. Why not throw the third one in? Yeah. Go ahead, do it. Go full bore. And if you're going to lean into the Three Stooges, lean into it. Lean into them. Not just allude, but yeah, just go full go, bore. Go full bore on it. Yeah. Instead of just don't, saying, don't hey, knucklehead, and don't yeah. have them with guns. Have them with bats. Have them with something a little bit less threatening because the Three Stooges never carried guns around. Yeah, but then you couldn't have some of the things where, you know, it's just like... But if you got three of them mm. against the author and her and her uh, chauffeur, it makes sense. Okay, I'm just thinking of scenes further on where they're just like, hey, we should give them a warning to tell them to get out of the closet. And it's like, we don't warn them, they, we just shoot them. You rewrite it for something a little yeah, bit better. I get that. And, and I think you could have done a lot more and it would have been a lot more fun to see 
Katie and Jack dressed up as these Gugam characters. Which is also ridiculous. Which is also but ridiculous, but again, it's but it it's makes fun. sense for the script. It is fun. And it's fun. And I can see them doing I can still see them doing it in the context of this if they're going up against the three stooges who've got this author and they're just trying to save her and <laughs> yeah. protect their identity. Yeah. Of course then they protect their identity and then throw it out at the end of the book. But still but still there I think you could have gone there and it could have been a really fun and goofy book. But yeah. it just there's some feelings and flavors that just don't work but you're right i love the concept of yep. it and i think the concept is great concept great actualization uh, yeah not quite talk about not quite characterized i guess we can talk about alex and julie why are they worried <laughs> <sighs> they default to worried about this their, their younger siblings all the time so it it makes sense and it's also the fact that they you know, they're like, they went to go in, try and get some, you know, buy a bribe for Katie to get her to stop crying. And then they come back and both of them are gone. And so, and, and you know, and they've, honestly, been, they've honestly, been abducted by snarks. They've been abducted. You know, people, they get kidnapped all the time. And, and, Hence, and, they could be like, and why they, they were kidnapped. And why aren't they talking about that? Why aren't they flying around in their suits? Why? I mean. Yeah, they just walk home. They yeah. literally walk home. Yeah. There's yeah. just other things I can see them doing. It's like, if they are going to be that worried about it, then yeah. why aren't they worried then about it? Then why aren't they actually worried? Yeah. Uh, and here's why. Script. Script. Yeah. They're wearing those costumes to protect their secret identity. Can we try to count how many times they dropped their secret identity in this? Okay, honestly, it was actually, uh, it was only twice. Really. Only twice. Yeah, and because uh, I went through and I was looking and it was basically, you know, hi, could you sign to Katie to, you know, on my book? And it was like, okay, so Katie, Jack, I don't think they ever, you know, they never said that it was Jack. Although Katie at one point yeah. did, you know, whisper, you know, Jack, it didn't work or something like that. So she whispered Jack, but then she, it was Katie giving away secret identity stuff. Okay, yeah. But it was only, it was technically only twice where she's like, you know, kind of like, oh no, Jack, mm -hmm. da, 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 da. And then the other time, could you sign this book to Katie? But here's you the missed big, a big part. One. You missed a but big Here's one. the big, big thing is the, th okay, so two, and I do math, which is the third one, which is where they have uh, the chauffeur drive them home. Here is your building where you live. Yes. Katie. Jack. Katie. And well, he sh uh, the chauffeur yeah. only calls him young man. Yeah, but, uh. She does know his name because doesn't she write? No, she does not write. She's on, her, on the. No, it doesn't say it. It uh, it just says I wrote this a while ago and I couldn't sell it. I think it's good. I hope you do too, Jesse. So Jack's well, name I'm is on. Well, I'm still sure. I'm still sure that we can figure out who these kids are based upon you know the building address. And <laughs> yeah. And hi, is it, is Katie in here somewhere? Oh yeah, yeah. we know a Katie. Katie yeah. Power. You mean yeah. yes? Does she have a brother? Oh, she's got two brothers. Oh really? really? Yeah. Once again, they just throw their secret identities into the thresher of uh, people. Let me ask you a question, man. Who's the uh, best author that you have ever talked to? Oh, oh. You know, I actually haven't gone to a lot of stuff that I've talked to authors. What, have, you ever I, a, have you ever gone a book signed by an author? I have not. No, I, I'm, I live a very sheltered life. It's pretty sad. Yeah, it's very pretty sad. sad. Talked to uh, Derek Robertson, who did The Boys and uh, you know did the uh, art for uh, Happy, which is on Netflix now and everything, too. You know, he's an artist i've talked to him but okay so i know what you're getting to is do you choke up and i know tons of people that you know you meet an actor you mm -hmm. meet uh when i was at uh, origins in columbus ohio i did talk to about half the cast of babylon 5 uh-huh but they were kind of like hey it's the doctor hey and it's that you know british guy who's the ranger and hey it's the blonde gal who i can't remember what her character's name was but she was also in space rangers yeah i've talked to you know kind of like second tier mm -hmm. 
actor people, but I haven't done any book signing stuff. And a lot of those, it was great because it was just a conversation, which is really nice. But I have also known people that have gone to Comic-Cons. Uh, my friend Bill, when he got to meet Carrie Fisher. Oh, dear. Dude, this dude is 100% Star Wars. And in fact, to the point he named his kids Luke and Anakin. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's just like when he's talking to her, he literally just like seized up. To the point where you know she gave him a hug because he was just so <laughs> kind of thing. I'm he, falling apart now. Yeah, and so I totally do get that because you have these experiences yeah. where you meet somebody where you're like, oh my god, I love the stuff they do. I love seeing them. I love seeing what they you know, mm. see, hearing the words they say or reading the stuff they write, and you have no idea what to say other than I love the thing you do. I know that I've gotten um. Uh, my a book signed by Bruce Campbell. Oh, okay. Bruce Campbell was in town yeah. at Powell Books. Oh, he's here uh, all signing, the time. Yeah, signing yeah. his his book. So I got him to sign a book. Way back in the day in high school, I went and saw Douglas Adams when Douglas Adams was oh, at Powell's. Hey. I got him to sign Last Chance to See because he was doing a promotional tour for that. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones I remember. Of course, I got my sister-in-law to sign her book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I bet you were really nervous talking really to her. Really nervous. The Super funny thing nervous. is, though, is that you're talking about that, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, t- I guess I did talk to her for you a bit, but I didn't her. have her sign anything. And it Which was is hilarious. Yeah. Well, during that party, though, I had, you know, it was family, friends, some business people, or some business partners of her, and, mm-hmm. you know, some people who worked in her publishing company who were in town here. A good mixture of those people, people she all knew, except for, or she knew, or that we knew, mm-hmm. but there were two people that I invited that were uber fans of hers that mm-hmm. I knew. They yeah. were friends of mine. One of them was Jenny. Yeah, Jenny. And then also another friend, uh, Cece. <laughs> that was so funny because Jenny was all like, <gasps> yeah. oh, Nicole Chung, oh my, I love her. And yeah. it's just, yeah, yeah, and she was kind of doing that. Yeah. <gasps> And, and, and both both her and Cece, I came up to them when they showed up at the party. They were just kind of hiding and talking to, you know, me and my group. And I was like, oh, do you want to talk to Nikki? Oh, I can't. <laughs> it's okay. You can talk to Nikki. Yeah. No, no. And these were Uber fans. It was interesting for me to see that reaction yeah. because I'm like, it's just my sister-in-law. Yeah. You know, I've known her now for a while. Yeah. Oh, you're freaking out because you knew of her online. You knew of her yeah. this literary figure. Come on. Yeah, let you, me go ahead you, and... You know her as one thing and not this other. Right. Yeah. And so, it is so weird where it's just like... where Because you, you, you... I don't know. You build up... You, you don't know what. You just... To expect or just how to act because it's like... You are this paragon thing to right. me. As opposed to... You are Brick's uh, family member. And, and, and with both of them, it was also cool to see that they both... They did their own kind of shibboleth. They mm-hmm. did their own thing where they said... Here are my credentials that I am a real fan. Mm-hmm. I loved you in this. I loved when you wrote this and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And it was interesting to see that. And they ha- they started talking about those things. It is kind of fun to hit celebrity sometimes, especially mm-hmm. a celebrity that you really admire and that you love their work, how yeah. you react to it. Yeah. Uh, breaking out the library card. Finding literature in this book. Well, there's a lot of literature because we're talking about the Goo Gams book. Yeah. It's not a real book, though. Mm-hmm. But I was a little interested. And I was like, Jesse Wilcox Jones. That seems... Two on the nose. Like a specific name? Yeah, very specific. I couldn't find any literary references for Jesse Wilcox Jones, but I did find one for Jesse Wilcox Smith. She was an American female illustrator during the golden age of American illustration. She's considered one of the greatest pure illustrators. She contributed to a lot of books and magazines during the late 19th and early 20th centuries. Some things kind of like The Ladies' Home Journal, Harper's, McClure's, and Good Housekeeping. But the big thing is that she also... Did a lot of books. She did more than 60 books 
that she illustrated. And one of the big ones that I saw was A Child's Garden of Verses. This is a kind of a bigger book that I think a lot of people were probably familiar with. It's got a whole list of, of children-centric poems and kind of bedtime stories and those kinds of things. Nope. Nope. Nope, not okay. familiar. So people who are cultured are familiar with this, but people <laughs> unlike Jeff have cultures. Are, who are not cultured do not know about this book. So anyways, I'll move on then. I want to make one little point. I'm not going to spend too much time going through this, but it's really interesting that we've got we've gotten two different books kind of close proximity to each other where they've highlighted an illustrator's name mm-hmm. as kind of a literary reference within the book. Yeah. And both times it was kind of, you know, Brent Anderson is kind of involved with this a yeah. lot. So I, I just kind of find it very fascinating that it, they've done this. It's kind of a little Easter egg. Yeah, it's, it is pretty nice, though. Go ahead. Tell me a little bit about science. That's an amazing segue. Nah, I'm not going to do a big one this time because you <laughs> mock them all the time. You mock no. my segues. In this issue, Jack and Katie were self-kidnapped and locked themselves in the trunk of a limo. Jack figured out how to open the trunk from the inside without using his powers and made a point of telling Katie to never get in the trunk of a car unless she had powers like his to help her escape. Well, I don't have superpowers like him, but I was curious as to how to get out of a locked trunk. You know, just in case. So here is a list of six ways to escape in case you ever get locked into one accidentally or otherwise. 1. Pull the trunk release. All American cars made after 2002 are required to have a trunk release inside the trunk. It's usually a glow-in-the-dark handle located near the trunk latch, but it also may be a cord, a button, a toggle switch, or a handle that does not glow in the dark. 2. Escape through the back seat. Some cars have back seats that fold down to allow access to the trunk. Generally, the release for these seats is located inside the car, but there may be one in the trunk as well. If not, try to push, kick, or pry the seats down, then climb out. If there's a kidnapper involved, make sure he's nowhere to be found, or you won't climb your way to safety by getting into the back seat just inches away from your abductor. 3. Pull the trunk release cable. If the car is equipped with a cable trunk release that can be operated from inside the car, usually by a lever near the driver's seat, you may be able to pull the cable and open the trunk latch. Pull up the carpet of the floor of the trunk, or pull off the cardboard paneling and feel for a cable. It will typically be on the driver's side of the car. If no cable is there, search along the side of the trunk. If you locate a cable, pull on it toward the front of the car to open the trunk. 4. Pry the latch open. If you can't find a release cable but have located the latch, then your best bet may be to try and pry it open. Search for a screwdriver, crowbar, or tire iron inside the trunk. 5. Push out the brake lights. You should be able to access the brake lights from inside the trunk. You may need to pull or pry the panel off to get to them. Once you have access to them, rip the wires out of them, then try to push or kick the lights through so that they fall out of the back of the vehicle. Then you can signal to motorists or passerbys by sticking your hand out through the hole. 6. Use the car jack to pop up the trunk lid. If you can get to the jack, set it up and crank the jack up under the trunk lid and attempt to keep pumping the jack up until the trunk lid pops open. So there you go. A little bit of info for you in case you ever find yourself locked in the trunk of a car. Hope it helps and hope you never have to use it. And that's one to grow on. And now you know. Rainbow and star. Ding. (laughs) You know what else that you should never lock yourself inside of? A refrigerator. Yep. But you know what you can look on the outside? A gallery. You better believe it. Yep. Let's talk about refrigerator gallery. Let's put some pieces of paper up on the refrigerator and not lock ourselves inside it. Mm-hmm. What is your funny, funny, funnies for this fun little show? <laughs> okay, I got two jokes. Really? Okay. Yep. My uh, joke backup is on page 13, and I call it gun safety. And oh, it's over in the, it yeah, it's the bottom right-hand corner, and it's after uh, Mo has plugged the uh, GAM suit that Jack was wearing for a little bit, and he's <laughs> kind of in a room or in a closet, and Jack's misting away, and Mo's got his 
literally his fingers on the trigger and his barrel of his gun is at his head scratching a scalp going what happened here and it's it's just like that's that's not how you handle a firearm so that's my backup joke which is gun safety do you have any uh, jokes i do I, i've got a couple of, of things i just wanted to notice they're okay. kind of just noticing the paint cans in the basement yeah did you good, notice the good game color you saw that yeah, yeah I saw that. game colors yeah. yeah that was one thing i noticed the... which is a uh, kind of a pinky purple and green right right yeah. in the the very end you notice that Julie is actually holding a Gugam doll? I noticed that. I, it's a keychain, and I'm going to assume that it is the kind of peace offering, stop crying, Katie yes. bribe that it's they a, got. It, I thought it was a nice continuity, though, yeah. that we could actually see what she got. Yeah, what they bought for yeah. her, yeah. Before I get to my funny one, mm-hmm. I wanted to point out one that I think you're going to pick, mm-hmm. and that is on page 12, and I call it Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm yeah. going to call it Bam Bam. <laughs> Okay. But we'll get All there. Right. All right, we're gonna get there. I'm just, I'm, I'm calling it out. You're I'm calling, calling it, out. it out. Yeah, you're calling out my, you're calling out my number I'm one. I'm calling yeah. out your number one. Yeah. Yes. Somebody knows you. me. My funny was on page 16. I call it Scaredy Cat. Yay! And it's at the bottom right corner, and it's when they are shooting the closet full of holes, and the cat's running away. This cat is up off the floor. All of its hair is standing straight out, and it has a Joker smile on its face. Yeah. yeah. It is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a good one. I like that. What do you have as your funny one? Uh, My funny, funny one is on page seven. Page seven. And it is in the bottom right-hand corner, and I call it, I'll give you something to cry about. (laughs) And yeah, it's uh, when Jack and Katie are on the street, and Katie's just in the background, bawling her eyes out, because, you know, her book got all spoiled. Spoiled. Yeah, and uh, Jack's there just like, people are probably thinking, I punched her or socked her one maybe that's a good idea maybe i should it, it just shows him and he's and he's just kind of got like a double chin but his fin both of his fists are clenched and he's looking at him like time to unload justice onto my sister <laughs> and i mean don't, time for some street justice time for some street justice but yeah so i thought it was terrible because i'm like come on jack knock that off but at the same time i was like that's eh, a funny panel so i thought that was cute so yeah i call that uh, i'll give you something to cry about because she was a crying my backup's on page 16, and it's called Bad Dudes. Oh, okay. That's a short distance to go. It's the panel bottom left, right? Yes, it yeah. is. I just, I love the detail on this. It's a low shot of Moe and Larry, yep. and it's just extremely detailed. I mean, you're looking up at both of their faces. It is just the most realistic, detailed kind yeah, of you, look we've got of them. Yeah, seeing all the uh, yeah, the scruff on Moe and everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good one. That's a, That looks really good. What do you got? My backup is on page one, and I call it Saturday morning because it is the uh, bottom panel of uh, Katie dressed just in her slippers and her kind of like, you know, nightgown and kind of just holding a cup of Cup of, I was going to say a cup of coffee, but she's far too young for that. Eh, it's juice. Or yeah, it's, a cup of juice or yeah. hot chocolate or something. And she's just watching cartoons. And, it, you know, it shows their, like, front room. And in the background is the rest of the family. And, you know, it kind of shows, like, the kitchen table. It, it just shows it's a very awesome realistic slice of domestic life. She's got her Gugam books next to her. Yeah, she's got all of her Gugam stuff. It's just like, it's Saturday morning, it's 9 o'clock, she is uh, in cartoon mode. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, I used to be there with her. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You'd get up, you would get your bowls of cereal, your Lucky Charms, and (laughs) your milk, and you would just be like watching cartoons from you know seven thirty in the morning until about eleven thirty or so, and then it was uh, time for Godzilla Theater. What's and this Lucky Charms business? I got my Cracklin' Oak brand. Okay, wow. I was a regular child. You were a very regular <laughs> child. <laughs> what's this? What's this Cracklin' Oak brand? I had Muslix. 
I that's would more have of my prune juice and moose licks. And that's then, more of Jack style. Yeah. <laughs> prune juice is a warrior's drink. I learned that off of Star Trek The Next Generation from war. <laughs> okay. My top one is on page 20. It's the Cody montage. Oh, yeah, that's good. Uh, I, I really like this. It's where... Um, where the author, Jesse, she's giving her rundown to Jack about why she had to stop yeah. doing Cody's books. And while she's talking about it, she's got her cat in her hands. It's a really nice picture of her. It's a montage of this space explorer running across the moon and holding up a flag. And I just loved it. I, I thought it was really yeah. just the entire composition that's really nice. It is super cute. And especially since it's very kids stylized spacesuits with antennas yeah. coming out of the head. And it's very it, it's sci-fi. Like a rack, it, yeah, I love his rocket ship in the background too because it's got like a screen door on it. It's so <laughs> just kit bash cobbly you know, goobly goot kind of just like, oh, it's a spaceship. And Cody goes and has adventures. Oh, but how does this, this spacesuit work? Don't worry about it. He's got the big old bubble helmet with antennas coming out. It's what do they do? He's just doing his thing. Don't sweat it. Yeah, no, that's a good one. That's a really good one. What's your top one, sir? <laughs> My top one, and somebody already called it, yes. is, <laughs> yeah, it's on page 12, and I call it Bam Bam. I liked my name better. I call it Pulp Fiction. No, that's really good. Once again, Monochrome Boy hits. Yeah, it's the coloration. It is after uh, Jack and Katie come out in their Gugam costumes and say, you know, don't hurt her mama, and you better surrender her else. And Mo and Larry look at each other with their guns out like, what? And then it's just uh, like a black and white and yellow, you know, illuminated by the muzzle flash pictures of them shooting at the kids. It's just them, you know, heads together, just plug plugging at the kids, and the kids are all, run! It's the same look that Samuel L. Jackson and John Travolta gave each other when the guy burst into the room and shot yeah. A bunch of shots at them, and they oh, all it missed. Is. Yeah, it it's really the same is. Look. It they, is they the exact look, same thing. They both thing. looked yeah. at each other, and then they unloaded their guns yeah. at this guy. Yeah. No, it really is, and this came way before Say Pulp what Fiction. one more time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about rubber and glue moments. All righty. What was the best or most childish insult that you saw in this comic? Yeah, my backup is on page five, and it's after Katie's big monologue about the uh, you know the Goo Gam and their morality story, and then she tells Jack to put that in your pipe and smoke it. It's yes, a, I just thought that was great. It's not. Qu- yes, it is an insult. Yeah, no, I like it. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's good. A, it, it is a classic insult, it's, and it's it very is very classic. Yeah. And I just think it was neat that Katie was all put that in your pipe and smoke it, and I thought that was what super is it? Cool. That's two issues in a row where something about smoking with her. You yeah. know what? We're, oh wow! We need to keep an eye on her. I'm going to go ahead and page 12, and this is actually the author, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Uh, reading may not be your strong suit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where she is insulting her kidnappers who yeah. have guns, and she tells them that, oh, um, but reading might not be your strong suit. Oh, man. Throughout this entire thing, she is just super chill. Very It's chill. like, she's being kidnapped. Ah, oh, I guess that's the thing. She is kidnapped. You know, yeah, you, know. you don't look like a reader. No. After kidnapping, and her and her place has been shot up, and her proto, you know, produce, her, her merchandise has been destroyed. No, things are cool. No, I'm, I'm okay with this. This is fine. Yeah, let me tell you a story about I'm goose also, and games. I'm also not kidnapped anymore. <laughs> yeah, she's also not kidnapped. Yeah, she was just like super chill throughout the entire thing. My first place one is a interplay between Jack and Katie. Ooh, what yeah, and it is after uh, it is after the Pulp Fiction moment where Mo and Larry are shooting at him in their Goo Game outfits. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yeah, yes. And they're running away from each other to draw the guys off, and uh, Jack's all, "He'll probably faint, huh? You're stupid." And, and Katie's Katie. all, "I'm stupid. You're the one who listened to me." 
but anyway yeah just that interaction of like you're stupid and it's like you're the one who listened i'm like that's super who's who's more dumb yeah yeah the person <laughs> the person who came who's up with the idea or the, or the person one who, who followed it and the answer is yes yes <laughs> um so my top one is a couple more pages up ahead and i'm actually going to use mo mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. once a numbskull always a numbskull yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's. I'm sorry, I had to go with it because yeah. he's calling him a numbskull. numbskull. Yeah, I just love it. Yeah, that's pretty great. No, those are good ones. Those are good ones. Talking about good and bad, this is going to be fun, and I think we're going to have some controversy here, but we'll see what happens. Stars in detention, identifying the child who was the best and the worst in this issue. Yeah, it's all around kind of tough on that one. We're gonna do. We're gonna do uh, detention kid first. Yeah. Okay. Everybody kind of sucked. But I'm going to say Julie. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Why Julie? Okay. It, honestly, it was kind of between, and again, this is lame. It was kind of between Alex and Julie, just due to the fact that they I weren't agree. really there. I agree. Uh, and I gave it to Julie because technically Alex saved Spider-Man. They were all there, but Alex is the one who grabbed him first and de-grabbed him, and Julie just moved him over onto a rooftop. It's super weak. That's... It's uh, super weak, but, the, uh, but my reason is because... Of a bunch of people that weren't really great this issue. Uh, Julie, although Julie did worry about Katie and Jack being missing. And Alex came around to that. But Alex saved Spider-Man's life. You know how much karma he got off that? See, and I'm going to say Alex is worse because... You don't like Alex. He was calling them goofy kids. (laughs) Oh, okay, yeah. And I... yeah. yeah. Well, again, you can blame the writer on that. But I'm just calling. He calls them goofy kids, yeah. and I'm like, really? okay. We both agree. The older kids are the ones who didn't quite hit the home run. Yeah, this but time. and again, they were also kind of you know not appearing in this issue. What about the best kid? I'm gonna say Jack. I am too. High five. My reasons for Jack, and then mm-hmm. I'll have your reasons. He was a grouch, but I can understand why. And he quickly came around when he talked to the author. Mm-hmm. It was his idea to try to save her. Oh yeah. And he had some pretty good plans. Yeah. So I, I just. I think that he was the real impetus for them saving her. And the most important part is that he told Katie, don't get into a trunk and lock yourself in. Well, he... Cause, so he gave us a public he, service he record. He had to do that. Do yeah, you know yeah. why? Uh, legal reasons. Well, no, because you hadn't been on a podcast yet. Oh, to tell, to tell people how kids to get out. How, not to, how to get out. Yeah. yeah. Th- th- then again, this is 1986. I don't think there was any escape levers from the inside of the trunk. It was basically like... Yeah, but there might have been a jack in there. There might have been a jack. Actually, there, there could was be a the jack trailer. in there. Oh, there, there, well, he put himself. There might have been two jacks. But, but a, a bump. Yeah. All right. yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about why Jack is so good? No, not really. You kind of hit it where it was along the lines where he noticed the kidnapping going on. He was like, we got to go save the author. Uh, yeah, and he he had a you know he, he had an emotional journey where emotional there was a reason journey. why he was upset with the author, but then he came around when he found out why she stopped reading the writing the books and blah blah blah. Yeah, so it it was like everybody was kind of fine, everybody kind of sucked. All right, G's. G's, zero None. G's, yeah, zero G's, which in turn means that you could find zero, zero G's in space where the snarks are, which they alluded to right at the very last couple of pages. And that drops our G average to 1.28, which is approaching the gravity on Neptune. And our G total still stands at 27, which is over two and a half times jet fighter turning around in circles <laughs> kind, of, kind of thing. So, yeah, no G's. People say G. In fact, Jack says G in this. He says G Willikers, blah, 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 blah. But no, yeah, so people say G, but Alex isn't. And it's yeah. frustrating to me because G keeps on getting dropped, but the bomber don't drop him. But not him. Yep. Let's put this into our ever-growing list of great power pack stories. Okay. We are up to 23. Mm-hmm. The final one, of course, being Thor. 
The top one being Power Pack 19, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Yep, which is the Thanksgiving episode. Huzzah. Yay. Still love that one? Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'm looking at the bottom of the list on this one. Yeah, I don't want it to be there, but yeah. Yeah. Because again, the concept is strong. It is. It just isn't. I got to tell you, though, I I kept rereading this book. Yeah. Just really didn't like how Katie was portrayed. Yeah, yeah. I didn't was, like... Yeah. I, I, there was uh, here's the opportunities. Deal. Here's the deal on that: is anytime anybody but Lu, like Louise Simonson is writing, it because she's like she taught herself how to read. She's kind of a child prodigy. She's very intelligent for sure. five and you know mature. Blah 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 blah. But everybody just goes, "It's a five year old girl," and ergo, she is going to cry and say things. She's going to drop D's and G's and just kind of be like exploits and you know. It's just but you be, can still write to a character after could. reading what that character is like. Yeah, but a lot of people when they get a hold of a product they kind of just make what they want to and so it's just like oh well it's a kid and she's upset so she's gonna say this stuff so they it's like they have an idea of what they're supposed to be like but it's like yeah but i'm i'm, I'm doing my thing so yeah so where do you want to put it well how do you feel uh, above the uh dragon man trilogy or do you think it dragon man was better than this that's a hard question my friend that's a very uh-huh. hard question it's, I think uh, it's, I think it's the, below I think, wounded wolf. You know what? Here you go. Yeah. I I think that the kids are much more consistent in the Dragon Man trilogy. Ooh, wow. Okay. I do. They are. They are much more consistent. Okay. Wow. We we said at the time that even the Dragon Man trilogy, there are some ideas that are there. Uh-huh. There are some ideas that you can explore and do some mm-hmm. interesting things with. It just there were some missteps in there. Okay. Okay, so you're putting it below the Dragon Man trilogy. Yeah. Do you think, Thor, this cursed Earth is better? Oh, wow. This has so much more power pack in it. It does have more power pack in it. Do you want to put it Do you want to put it at the very bottom? I'm actually leaning that way. There's I, so little power pack. There's only like eight pages of power pack in I Thor. I know, I know, but still, I mean... And most of it is them just, you know, being around while Thor does stuff. But Katie was used as a weapon in there. I, yeah, I know. Yeah, Katie's, Katie's life is a living weapon. Katie, Katie's wife is a living weapon. And mm-hmm. I would say that I would rather read that one again than this one now. Wow. But convince me otherwise. I can't. I don't know. <laughs> again, we've had, I've had this discussion with you before. It's Power Pack. I like Power Pack. Sure, I do They're too. all great. I enjoy reading them. Some are better than others. Yep. But at the same time, I could I could read them again. I just, there's there's so many missteps with this one. I didn't like how the characters were. Okay. I, I didn't like the bad jumping in here. The art is amazing and the concept is great. Okay. I, I'd put it above the Thor for the Power Pack stuff. Because again, it's just looking at it as Power Pack. Right, right. Yeah, I if you want to put it below, we I'll can... split the difference with you. I'll put it above the Thor one. Okay. All right. So, so that's it's the new twenty three. New twenty three. And Thor three sixty three. This cursed Earth is the new twenty four. Yep. Okay. We will unseat that Thor one. I'm sure we will. So final thoughts on the beer. Uh it is interesting, but I don't know if the date flavor is really doing it for me. It keeps on. I enjoy it, but I'm also kind of like that datey flavor. So. Uh, I don't mind the date flavor. Yeah? No, I don't. Uh, uh, again, it's good. It's not what I would constantly go to. And again, I think it's that kind of mm-hmm. datey. It's probably a blending of the imperial and the datey flavor. For me, it's about a three and a half. Yeah, I can go with you on that. I can go with the three and a half the on same? this one. I was thinking yeah. you might go higher on that. No, I, I, I enjoy it a lot. I'm ha- very happy that we had this. I mean, yeah. a nice microbrew from Jordan. Yeah. All right. I know. Crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. Camel Spider. We give you a three and a half. A good three and a half, though, I yeah. will say. A yeah, very it's, good three it's and a half. It's a positive three and a half. Uh, now we're going to do Kit's perspective. Jeff, 
would you introduce me and my daughter in? Rick, Carrie, talk about stuff. Wow, nice. <laughs> Hi there, Carrie. How you doing today? Good. Great. Thank you for joining me once again to talk about Power Pack. Hey, we got a happy Power Pack book this time, right? Mm-hmm. It's not dark like the other books have been lately, have is it? Not as dark. Not as dark? You think it's dark? No. Okay. Tell me what happens in this book. There's a lot happening, actually. Well, there's one kind of overarching thing. Just tell me what happened in this book, from your memory. Katie and Jack go out go um, to try to rescue this book lady. Yeah? She's a writer of... One of Katie's favorite books. And who else? And who she, she used to be a writer of? She used to write some other things, right? Uh-huh. What? Davis Curvis. Cody Davis? Yeah. <laughs> and who liked the Cody Davis books? Jack. They go and they try to rescue her, right? Yeah. Why? Because Jack sees a um, man with guns. Uh-huh. And they're with her, and he, he thinks that... That they're sh- that they're like trying to get her. Yeah. So he like forces Katie to do that. And so then they have to try to save her. Yeah. Do you know why those bad men are trying to uh, kidnap her? What do they want? They want um the those one hundred and thing dollars. One hundred thousand dollars, right? Yeah. So they want the money, right? Uh huh. Because there's some kind of contest going on. Yeah. What's the contest? What do you did you catch? What the contest was or how? Goo they- Gam Treasure Hunt. Yeah. And what were the bad men trying to do instead of read the book? They were trying to get the money instead of, like, looking for it. And they had guns, so if she said no, then bad things happen. <laughs> what did you think about the story overall? Did you like it? Yeah. Was it kind of fun seeing Jack and Katie out on an adventure on their own? Yeah. What were your favorite parts about this? I'm trying to think. Okay. There can be tons of things that can be funny, and most of the funny parts are my favorites. So, name one of the funny parts you liked. Well, Katie kept going on and on about how she had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yes, that was pretty funny. Then when she was trying to hide in the basement, she was like, oh, man. There's Oh, man, there's no bathroom down here, right? Yeah. And and what was the little trick that they used to, uh, to try to scare the robbers? They used the costumes of the goo gam. Thing. Is there anything else you want to talk about this comic book? Can we talk about the writer? What about her? Jessie Wilcox-Jones. What do you think about her? She's nice and friendly. She also has a cat. Is she really nice to Jack at the end? Yeah. What does she tell Jack? She tells him that when she starts making a new book, then tons of people like it, then she can sometimes forget about her other books and stop yeah. making them. And she kind of explains why she stopped writing Jack's favorite books, right? Uh Uh-huh. And what does she give Jack at the end? A new Cody Davis book. A book that she never got published, right? Yeah. That was pretty nice of her, wasn't it? Uh Uh-huh. I was starting to think that maybe she should put um, a boy named Jack um, also in there, like she was going to do with Katie thing. You know, if she writes another Cody Davis book, she may just do that. Thank you very much for your time, Carrie. You're welcome. I love you. Love you, too. Shout time. And this is where we like to recognize those listeners who take the time to write in or leave us a review. This is for our episode 19, our Thanksgiving episode on Twitter. Coffee is good, Mal. Delvin, Darkweb, Felix Leiter. Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. Jeremy Daw, who was looking forward to this episode. Warlock Thanos podcast. Craig McNichols. 
Heck, even I thought Alex was the worst kid in this, and I like Alex. That's what he said. Alexander, who appreciates our podcast. Thanks. Tim Price. Cannonball Ed. Guy. John and Maggie. William. Show Zero. CH Zero. And on Facebook, Al Sedano. Keith Baker. Mitch Jillian. And I would like to give a big shout out to Portland, Oregon's best comic book themed restaurant and bar, The Nerd Out. If you're in town, check it out. Jeff Polier. Nicholas Prom. Gary Key. Max Trevor. Pat Sampson. Gene Hendricks. And Jeremy Daw. Jeff and Rick Presents is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a blanket in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word, at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present. .wordpress.com. And if you would like to help support our show, we're on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com. Jeff and Rick present, all one word. Please rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher or tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the wonderful women in our lives. What the Powerball do you think you're doing? Oh, that's my breaking news sound. Well, it sucks. Yeah, I'm too cheap for an actual teletype machines. Plus, I just bought this extra mic. Anyway, I just wanted to break in and say that we have this late breaking news item. Our next episode, which happens to be our one-year anniversary, will feature a brand new interview. That's right. We are pleased to announce that we will be talking to Mark Sumerak about writing the relaunched Power Pack miniseries from the 2000s, as well as Franklin Richards, Son of a Genius. We are really excited about this. We've been reading and reviewing this series as our bonus content for our Patreon supporters. And so, in honor of interviewing Mark, we will be releasing our first Patreon episode next Sunday on this feed. And if you like what you hear, and you want more of these bonus episodes, head over to our Patreon account. Now, where were we? We were thinking about the wonderful women in our lives, like my wife Cindy and our daughter Carrie. My fiance Hillary and our daughter Aurora. We, we love, love you. Until, Until next, next time, time costumes, costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action and also featured in this episode is Getting It Done. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Acompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Whatever our intro song is, I think it sounds like this. It's a little bit of a barbershop. The weight stress, the weight stress are stressed like a stressor. Oh yeah, stress and stress, super stress, stress, stress. As soon as well, their favorite authors in, and they have to rememorize the menu because everything's changed to Gugam things. A baby in a smoker is the best way to eat baby. So you're saying we should vape babies? Yes, I'm saying that we should uh, smoke babies and then make them into briskets. That is exactly what I'm saying. Why do you think I've got a baby, man? I went to a chicken place and I was like, put her in the deep fryer. And he said, he's not, <laughs> not big enough yet. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> Don't eat babies. Was that gorgeous or what? Yeah, it was. Or what? <laughs> what? <laughs> it was some kind of wonderful. Some kind of wonderful. For Pete's sake, Katie, there's words after other words that if I was looking, I would see. But this is also how I talk. Let me do it again. Okay. (laughs) Jesus.
It's Arabian burps <laughs> and was... Arabian beers. I Arabian vomit. <laughs> <laughs> it comes from my throat, down deep in my gut. What did I have for lunch? Okay. Oh, two microphones. I can be far away from him. Got a chance to really listen to it like at three in the morning last night. And so I'm trying to like... You know, very quietly under my breath, not wake anybody up while I'm all saying I was kind of, I might have been doing the same at work. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. I was like, hey, uh, hey, Rick, how are you coming on those TPS reports? <laughs> well, you're with the you know, a TPS report. Yay. <laughs> what is going up here? It is kind of an upshot of low... Low and Mary? Yes, it's a love shot. It's a love shot of low and Mary. <laughs> It's a low shot. <laughs> I'm sorry. Love shot of low and Mary just cracks me up. Insert. Bam, bam, bam. Dun, dun, dun. Bam, bam. Bam, bam, bam. Bam, bam. Let the goo games hit the floor. Let, Let the, the goo games, games hit the floor. floor. Let, Let the, the goo games, games hit the floor. Gotta get up. Gotta get down with the goo games. That is staying. Yeah, of course that is. It's fantastic. incredible. Uh... <laughs> Won't you go game with me? <laughs> That's all I can remember. 